Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to another Encore episode, how we're missing subclinical hypothyroidism. If you have listened to any other episodes this month, you may know that we're doing Encore or republishing episodes that have very high download rates from the last year in general, but most of them were in the last year except for the first one about probiotics. This one was a solo episode I did on how we're missing subclinical hypothyroidism. This is a topic very near and dear to my heart because it affects me. And to be honest, this is my favorite person to help. It's this person that doesn't really think that they have an issue, but they think that they could feel better or they're like trucking through life, just doing all the things, but really their thyroid wants a little love, their adrenals want a little bit of love. So in this episode, I go through all of that and I hope you enjoy it. I want to take a quick minute to tell you a couple things that I'm really excited about that are happening right now. First, something that weighs really heavy on my heart is burnout potential. Everyone is so good at go, 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 glue truck technology that we often just need to stop, rest, and reset. So I'm thrilled to announce Reset in Sedona, a restorative wellness retreat for women craving good food and adventure. Now, I have a lot of feelings about how retreats are non-negotiable, and I've been practicing for this for years, attending and hosting other private retreats. So if an intentional reset to fill your cup sounds good to you, you can head to the show notes to find the link for Reset in Sedona or go to kristabigler.com slash Reset in Sedona. And the second is that I'm currently taking intro calls for clients to start in the new year. I work with people that feel like they're doing everything right in health, but still have food sensitivities, subpar energy and mental focus, gut issues and eczema. I help them with a sustainable way to eliminate symptoms and feel their best using testing, synergistic nutrient repletion, and supporting several major systems in the body for balance. You can go over to kristabigler.com forward slash FSS. Both links will be in the show notes. And now back to the show. Hey, welcome to the Lustrous Life Podcast, where we believe that everyone deserves a less stressed life without food sensitivities, fatigue, and overall inflammation. So today I'm telling you about something that I think is so important and is so missed, and that is sluggish thyroid 101. Now, don't stop listening to this if you have had blood labs and everything is normal. That's really who this is for. I had a woman tell me about a month or two ago, she said, but your website doesn't really talk about thyroid. I said, that's a great point. I don't need the people who know that they have a thyroid issue. I need the people who don't know that they have a thyroid issue. So today we're going to talk all about learning and relearning and how we're never done learning, how a lot more people have sluggish thyroid than who's diagnosed with thyroid issues. We're going to talk about issues with gut health and why people relapse. 
how I handled thyroid issues years ago and now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll go through some checklists, what you can do, cofactors, all the things. First, man, I've had a lot of humbling this last year or two as I have just relearned biochemistry. Just because your blood labs are normal doesn't mean everything is normal. Many years ago when I started practice, this is how I handle thyroid versus how I'm handling it now. I would say if someone's really wrecked, so thyroid is like a gray cloud that's going to cover everything up. And even if you're seeing success in other places, it's going to just follow you around like a dark cloud, like a dark storm. So if that was happening with someone, because often people would come into my practice and they would already either be on thyroid medication, I would say their doctor's got this, right? That is what the doctor is there for. They are diagnosing thyroid issues and treating that with medication. And that's the role of their provider. That was an I can't diagnose anything. So I didn't see how I could be supportive in that role. So once upon a time, my best friend who's a pharmacist told me that the most prescribed medication was thyroid medication. And so if the most prescribed medication is thyroid medication, at least anecdotally, then what does that do for the rest of us that have a sluggish thyroid overall? So when you go to your provider, you can ask for thyroid testing. And what commonly happens is you have a TSH drawn. If you say, I would like thyroid testing, you'll usually have a TSH drawn. Usually at maximum, there will be a TSH reflex to a T4. So what that means is that you have a thyroid stimulating hormone. So not even a thyroid hormone, but a pituitary hormone, a, a thyroid stimulate. It's like an alarm clock to send out messengers to wake up things. You're having that measured. And if it's a little bit out of range, then you have this T4 measured. So T4 is inactive thyroid. And I always say TSH is like the alarm clock. T4 is getting ready for work and taking all the cofactors, putting makeup on, getting dressed, brushing your teeth, eating breakfast. And then when you go to clock into work, it's T3. That's the active hormone. But here's an interesting thing. When you know how if you drive to work, you've got that on autopilot, you've got a neural pathway carved that way. If you have cortisol, stress hormone coming into play, now the thyroid hormone goes off into the wrong freeway. So if you have reverse T3 elevated, that means that there's elevated cortisol. So things aren't checking into work overall. So many years ago, I would just say, okay, go have your thyroid tested by your provider. So people would go. Ask for a full thyroid panel that'll include T3, T4, TSH, thyroid antibodies, et cetera. And sometimes they would get that fully drawn and sometimes they wouldn't because it's not the standard of care. I'm not complaining about it, just saying this is how it is. So the TSH should be drawn, maybe a T4. And I actually had a client tell me one time, I just was wondering what the cost of this looked like. And she told me that her insurance was billed $2,000 for that, which made me fall over because when I order blood labs through our lab concierge, which is called Rupa Health, if you have a private practice, it's like $10 for those two markers. So blows my mind. So what was happening was they go to the provider, not get it ordered, or they would get it ordered and it would be normal, or they weren't able to get it ordered. So at that step that the client can actually order tests on their own, you can go to requestatest.com or directlabs.com and order thyroid testing. Or in our practice, we help facilitate that through our lab concierge. And so then they go and get that drawn. And then we get the blood labs back and things often still look normal. Sometimes we catch something. And then when we catch something, because we don't diagnose, we send you back to your provider and say, hey, these antibodies are really elevated. And then the provider is going to recheck. So that's how thyroid is being handled in practice years ago versus now. Now I'm realizing that even if your blood labs look okay, you're not okay. So if you have any of these symptoms, you can just go ahead and raise your hand <laughs> virtually. But if you have a, I would say sluggish thyroid is more common. We'll talk about elevated or hyperthyroid later, but hypo or sluggish thyroid symptoms look like 
the big three would be feeling cold, either your whole body or hands and feet, hair loss, and fatigue. But there's also brain fog or just inability to concentrate. It's overall slows the metabolism down and makes it easy to gain weight or you'll have trouble losing weight or have weight loss resistance. Some people have disrupted sleeping. Sometimes you'll see a lower heart rate, puffy face overall. If you're feeling swollen, it's a weird feeling. It's like an inflamed feeling where you just don't feel like you fit in things or that your face feels just puffy. Dry skin, dry hair, predisposition to fungal overgrowth, slow motility. So if your motility with your gut health is slow, so the huge spoiler alert here is that a lot of these symptoms overlap to gut health. And so if your overall motility has slowed down, that's constipation. That's not having a a beautiful type four banana style bowel movement every day. And so if you have sluggish motility, you now are breeding a problem. So it's just like stagnant water with stuff in it. It will grow and create microbes. And so what happens is you'll have relapse of gut issues if there's a sluggish thyroid. So this is where my interest really began because we would get people better. Their gut health would be beautiful. We would discharge them. And maybe two years later, and this wasn't extremely frequent, but it was enough where it bothered me because I like people to get better and then just be better. And I think there's a lot of things that go into that. Our stress is huge. And and that's usually where a lot of things come from in the first place. But if the thyroid is sluggish, what would happen is if they go off of stimulating supplements that make the gut health look beautiful, they would be slowed down. Okay. So the motility would be slowed and it would be masked by the fact that they're on supportive gut health nutrients. So it would be masking the overall motility issue. The other thing that would happen, dead ringer, is needing coffee to use the bathroom or increasing carbohydrates and having bowel movements in. Those are all three like dead ringers. Absolutely. I know this person has sluggish thyroid in conjunction with these other things. Okay. So we were talking about hair loss, cold, brain fog, or trouble focusing, sleep disruption, feeling inflamed, slow motility, which is overall going to be poor digestion, dry skin, brittle hair, predisposition to fungal overgrowth, like fungal issues come back again and again. And then 33% of people who have thyroid issues struggle with anxiety and 25% have depression. And I just think right there, that's enough where we should be checking this more. But the problem is that if the blood labs are normal, then what tools do we have? Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of tools conventionally. That, that really blows. It really does. Because it feels like there's not a lot of options. But blood labs show you what's in the blood right now. It doesn't show you what the cell is using, what's happening inside the cell. So a couple of years ago, I explored adding tissue mineral analysis to practice. Felt a little goofy, a little hokey. The research on it is so old. And the first person I learned it from, I had like highs and lows. My, my friend Kaylee and I did our, we did some continuing education. We were going through a program together and we were like, oh, this could be awesome. And then it would be so supplement heavy. And anyway, then we'd have lows and like, I'm not applying that. I'm not implementing this. This just feels like not going to work for people. Fast forward, my friend Amanda, who is the hormone healing RD, is a huge advocate of mineral testing. I'd gone on a, an, a dietitian trip with her and she opened my eyes to a different way to read it using whole foods. And so what really became was that it allowed us to see sluggish thyroid issues. It allowed us to see adrenal issues without the use of other testing that can be a little bit hard. People always want their hormones tested. And I use dried urine tests for comprehensive hormone analysis or the Dutch test. And it sounds so fun to just test your hormones, but hormones are really secondary to what your gut health is doing, your stress, your micronutrients, your blood sugar, 
and your toxic burden. In my mind, I like to do things. I like to be a good steward of finances. And so it doesn't make sense to me to have someone do that debt chest because it's a lot of information. It's overwhelming if we could be working on all those root causes. And so that's where we look at that cortisol or what the cortisol and the adrenals are doing. So anyway, mineral analysis allows me to see what the adrenals are doing even before things are awry on the saliva or urine testing for cortisol, et cetera. So when I've implemented tissue analysis, I can now see what nutrients have been depleted from stress because I did know that the only people that didn't get better fast or as fast as I wanted or didn't get better as, as good as I wanted, I can count them on both hands. <laughs> it was the stress was the common denominator, like every single time. So I knew this, but trying to communicate that to them was actually more stressful for them. So you're really up a creek when that happens. When I look at the mineral analysis, it allows me to see the byproducts of what's happened from stress. It allows me to see the deficiencies. So for example, when your cortisol is elevated or when you're using a lot of cortisol, you dump potassium. And when your body is trying to control blood pressure, it uses aldosterone and that dumps sodium. And through stress also, magnesium is dumped, et cetera, et cetera. And so when these things get out of balance, different things happen, like calcium will stand in front of the doorway for nutrients to enter the cell for the thyroid, et cetera. And if you have a deficiency in potassium, because, and again, you're not going to see this on blood, but you see it in tissue, because if, if you see that in blood, you're basically falling over, like you're faint, et cetera, et cetera. Like you're just not going to see that. Those are markers where if you're really sick, you may see that, but it's pretty much not going to happen in the blood because our body is so amazing. But in the tissue, you'll see that the tissue inside the cell is actually starving for those nutrients because they've been used up by stress. So now that I use mineral analysis, I can see the cofactors needed for the thyroid, support the cofactors through food. Voila, we're doing a lot better. <laughs> so this is an issue for me because there's such an overlap. Almost all of the symptoms I mentioned for thyroid are also symptoms of suboptimal gut health. That means imbalances of bacteria, fungus, et cetera. And that's because one leads to the other, really. So if you have a sluggish thyroid, you're going to have gut issues later. So for us in our practice, we address gut issues and mineral issues to support the thyroid and the adrenals all at once. Because I don't really understand how in this stressful world, your thyroid could work optimally. So I feel that the grand majority of our clients fit into this overall picture overall. Okay, so we've gone over symptoms of sluggish thyroid. The dead ringers of sluggish thyroid, like I mentioned, you need um, coffee to stimulate bowel movements, going off a of gut protocol or gut supportive, like going off of, let's just pretend going off of you're on a probiotic and it's helping you be regular and you go off of it and you can't poop. And then also eating carbohydrates. So let's actually talk about how sometimes we create a sluggish thyroid. So I have another episode coming out where we talk about just destroying metabolism, but destroying metabolism and having a sluggish thyroid are almost one and the same. So Destroying your metabolism looks like this. Every version of it is undernourishment and overactivity or overstimulation. So let's say you're not eating breakfast or carbohydrates. That's a whole thing. But let's just say you're just generally under eating, which unfortunately, if you are, you may not realize it. But if you're intermittent fasting most days of the week, you're probably under eating because it's not common for Americans to like go be super nutrient dense for one or one and a half meals and have it be enough. So our thyroid requires carbohydrates digested well, which is relying on good gut health in order to work optimally. And so sometimes taking in those carbohydrates will just make the bowels work better in general. So carbohydrates are a huge cofactor for supporting thyroid. So when we're talking about broken metabolism, it's uncomfortable because 
we've adopted these things slowly. It's like drinking coffee for breakfast, skipping breakfast because I'm not hungry. You're not going to have much of an appetite if your thyroid is sluggish and your metabolism is sluggish. What it's going to look like is that you used to be able to restrict and lose weight. And now you restrict and you get puffy and you continue to gain weight. That's literally the transition of a thyroid being sluggish. So fun, right? So what are some other nutrients that the thyroid needs? I've alluded to some kind of tangenting around. Sorry about that. But there's lots of nutrients needed. So I talked about potassium being huge. So high potassium foods. I've talked about carbohydrates. But other nutrients needed for hormone production or for thyroid health include iodine, which is a whole topic. Let me come back to selenium found in Brazil nuts, oysters, et cetera, zinc found in oysters, <laughs> nuts, et cetera, tyrosine, B vitamins, which come from well-processed carbohydrates often, beef liver, et cetera, vitamin C in a whole food form, vitamin D, vitamin E. This podcast is not about you going to take those supplements. Not at all. That's not what this is about. It's about you couldn't get those nutrients if you weren't eating rich sources of those foods, which would be uncommon foods. That would be animal products, some animal products, oysters and carbohydrates and digesting those well, et cetera. And then also vitamin A is really important. So if you've been randomly supplementing vitamin D on its own for a long time, we should make a podcast about that. You're driving down vitamin A, they're competing for receptor sites. So this is important for you converting T4 to T3. This is a whole thing in my brain too, because when you have actually deficient thyroid by conventional standards, what the standard of care is to my understanding is prescribing levothyroxine or Synthroid, which is a T4. And then how does that T4 become T3 if you don't have the nutrients? That's my question. The conversion from T4 to T3 is improved from exercise, vitamin A, zinc, potassium. And if you take zinc by itself and vitamin D by itself, you're driving other deficiencies. So you really do need to get those from food sources. Unfortunately, the food sources of these are just not as common or we don't eat enough of them to compensate for the stressors that we're giving them. So I have all kinds of questions about thyroid and how we're doing this. And I just think to myself, oh my gosh, no one's thyroid is okay. That's, that's my current state. <laughs> no one's, how could the thyroid be okay in this modern world where we have stress? So this entire year I'm devoting as the year of thyroid to understand it better. So I've talked about assessing for hypothyroid, some of the nutrients that support it. And I want to also give a little lip service to speedy thyroid or elevated thyroid hormone. So the symptoms for that look like shakiness, trembling hands, heart palpitations, unexplained weight loss, loose stool, also anxiety, also sleep issues, excessive sweating, increased appetite, bulging eyes or goiter. But what happens is when people have elevated thyroid hormone, sometimes they get diagnosed with Graves and then they're given a medication to destroy this excess thyroid hormone. And so you'll actually swing to a hypo state or you'll have start to have those symptoms of a low thyroid state. So it can be a little bit complicated. So I was actually discussing with a friend recently just about we can't meddle with medications. That's where the provider, I'm really looking for partnerships <laughs> with providers and really looking how we can empower people to understand how to support their thyroid more. So if I could tell you, one, do you have a potentially sluggish thyroid despite your blood levels? Two, advocate for full blood level workup or panel. Three, if you can't get one from your provider, order your own through direct labs or request a test. It includes TSH, free T4, free T3, thyroglobulin, and thyroid peroxidase antibodies. I think that's everything. Some people reverse T3 we talked about because if you go down the cortisol pathway, reverse T3 is elevated. Some of my other thyroid expert friends recommend even more labs. But from there, if that's okay, 
what can you do to support thyroid conversion? And that's nutrients. So I was going to actually tell you about iodine also. So selenium, zinc, tyrosine, B, just looking for rich sources of these foods overall. But I want to talk about iodine for a little bit. And I'm going to give you some resources on how to keep this learning going for yourself. Iodine is a whole topic. And Guy Abraham made that a little bit, but he was an early iodine pioneer. And now I would say David Brownstein is the current pioneer that's alive. David Brownstein has a great book on iodine. And so iodine is a halogen. And we learned in sixth grade science that things in the same line on the periodic table compete for space from each other. So sometime in the 70s, they were putting iodine in commercially processed baked goods as a dough conditioner. And then the FDA is, oh, it's a little much iodine. We had this whole, like we used to use iodine for an antimicrobial and other things in medicine. And then we stopped using it. We tend to be like all or nothing type of people. But anyway, so it was being used in commercially processed baked goods. The FDA was like, oh, I think that's a little too much iodine. They took it out and put bromine in it. And so now the bromine in commercially processed baked goods competes for the iodine receptors. And then the chlorine in the water is another halogen. So all of these halogens are in the same line iodine, bromine, fluoride or fluorine. And I hope I got them all. I don't think I did. Fluorine, fluorine. So we see a lot of fluoride or fluorine and chlorine or chloride in our water supply or if we sit in a hot tub. And every time we do that, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I would just say that our lives compete with iodine. And so where are we getting sources of it? We get really tiny microgram sources in food. And so anyway, this is a to be continued discussion on iodine. But it seems that every organ needs it. There's a whole lot of data that shows like if we have enough, we may have less instances of certain cancers. Why would that be? Because it's helping with estrogen breakdown, histamine breakdown, et cetera. And so it's a whole rabbit hole for another day, whole different podcast on iodine and the appropriate use of it. But it's just fascinating. And by the way, before I close out here, Apparently, urine iodine testing is the most accurate method of finding out if you have adequate iodine. You get a loading dose of the iodine in a tablet, and then whatever you urinate out is extra your body is getting rid of. And what it's not urinating out of the percentage is what it needs to utilize. I hope this has been interesting for you. I think we're really missing subclinical, meaning not showing up on blood labs, thyroid, hypothyroidism. I think that there's so many people experiencing symptoms of a sluggish thyroid, and it's looking, can't concentrate. I have my own story. I let an iodine loading test sit in my bathroom for a year. And then I thought, this box is annoying. I should get rid of it. So I peed in the urine jug for an entire day like you're supposed to. And my iodine was so stupid low. And the three days following the loading dose, I was like, so focused. I never really thought, oh, I have brain fog. I just thought I have ADHD. Like, I obviously have ADHD. I cannot focus. I like need to be in appointments. so I can stay focused and get my things done because I want to squirrel around. If you guys ever hear that. But but it was just so remarkable, my own experiences and then some of my clients' experiences. So if you feel like you've got hypothyroid symptoms, test your blood labs. Here's some books for you to read and learn a little bit more. And if it's a good fit for you, we have a program called Food Sensitivity Solutions and the Fatigue Fix. It's two kind of separate programs that go together because I feel like if you feel like you're having food sensitivities, it's gut issues overall and other things going wrong, going awry. And I think fatigue is the other big thing. Even if you, I would just want you to feel younger as you get older. (laughs) As a person who wants to also feel younger as you get older, I want you to have sustainable, good energy. And so thyroid stuff, assessing that with mineral analysis, et cetera, is all part of that program. So here are some books for you to read if you're just learning about this topic. 
Why Do I Still Have Thyroid Symptoms by Datis Karazian. His last name is spelled K-H-A-R-A-Z-I-A-N. I'd love to have him on the podcast. He's a mentor I've had of mine. I've learned from him. And then Overcoming Thyroid Disorders by David Brownstein, MD. And this is one that's a lot of case studies written by many people. It's a cool one called Stop the Thyroid Madness 2, How Thyroid Experts Are Challenging Ineffective Treatments and Improving the Lives of Clients. So this episode is a cry for you to be a good advocate for your own health and to let you know that even if your labs are fine, you don't feel fine, you're probably right. I hope this episode is insightful for you and I wish you well. Talk to you soon. Oh, and if you're interested in food sensitivity solutions and the fatigue fix, you can find out all about it on my website over at kristabigler.com. I'll have the link in the show notes. Sharing and reviewing this podcast is the best way to help us succeed with our mission to help integrate the best of East and West and empower you to raise the bar on your health story. Just go to reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. That's reviewthispodcast.com forward slash less stressed life. And you'll be taken directly to a page where you can insert your review and hit post.